Hey, my name is Jake Wood. I serve here at JFC. A uh, couple things. If you're listening to this and you've been blessed by a message or a podcast, uh, we'd love to hear about how that has blessed you. Feel free to connect with us at mystory@jfc.org. Also, if this has blessed you and you'd like to give towards uh, the ministries here at JFC, uh, you can do that through the app or log on to jfc.org forward slash give. And lastly, uh, we're in a message series called Colossians 3.23, and it's talking about God in the workplace. We think you're really going to enjoy it. Be blessed. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord and not for men. to the JFC experience this weekend. Glad that you're here. Shout out real quick to all of our campuses, all six of them. Uh, glad that you are listening this weekend, and I know God's got something uh, really good for us. Before I begin, uh, we're in a series that I kind of titled on my own, Sacred Work, but it's really just about the work that we do, and whatever we do, when we do it as unto the Lord, man, it becomes uh, special, it becomes sanctified, and it's something that the Lord wants to bless in our lives. And because we did a series about this, we invested um, with some of the businesses in our church, put them in sort of a, not a raffle, but um, just picked from amongst uh, the businesses in our church that are supporting our Life Day that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. And we at uh, random just picked out some of those businesses that we could highlight, businesses that we know honor the Lord with what they do, businesses of people inside of our church, uh, businesses that we are not afraid to stand up in front of our people and say, hey, uh, you can use these businesses. These, these, are, um, these are credible people. And this weekend, um, it's uh, AIM Mortgage, A-I-M Mortgage. It's Kurt Rogers. Kurt has been a friend uh, personally to me, uh, but to this church for many, many years now. And uh, Kurt, congratulations and thank you for all that you do uh, for our church and for the kingdom of God. Um, back into this idea, let me jump into it real quick. Uh, this is the final message in the series um, on uh, sacred work, on, on what we do is unto the Lord. Um, it's a little bit different than in the past weeks. We've talked about um, any work, just made it broad, that any work that we do when we do it unto God becomes sacred. Today, uh, it's a little more aimed at a specific, more narrow, and uh, maybe minority uh, audience. I would, I would aim this message specifically um, at people who feel called vocationally to do ministry. Now, we all do ministry. Uh, I had someone recently tell me um, that, that felt like in their work that they work so many hours and they only get to do ministry for such a short time during the week. And I, I, I get what they're saying, but I tried to teach them the importance of understanding, man, wherever we are, we're called into ministry. We can do ministry any place that we are. It can be in your leisure time. It can be in your work time, in your family, wherever you are. We're all called to do ministry. This, though, is the idea that some people God calls vocationally to spend their life doing ministry. It's, that's the work that they do on a day-to-day Basis. It's not just um, ministry at any time. It's ministry in a specific way. Really what it means is that we're serving people full time with our lives and people feel called to that. 
And that's what I want to talk to today. I believe that there are people in every one of our campuses that will hear this message, and God will identify a call in your life. And some of you right now, maybe you're in the middle of life, and you think to yourself, when I say this, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit, and here will be the argument in your head, I can't go do that. It's impossible for me to stop doing what I'm doing. Uh, Pastor, I, I feel God call me, but I don't know how to back up from where I am. So here's, I want you to know right now, give, give away the give, right? Here's the give at the end of it, whatever campus you're at. And however you're hearing this message, if you feel the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about vocational ministry, giving your life in service to the kingdom, to God, and you're like, I just don't know how I would get there. God's not asking you to figure out how to get there. Here's the only thing that God wants from you. He wants you to say yes to him. And so if at some point while I'm talking this weekend, you hear the Holy Spirit, man, your job is not to try to figure out all the, the ins and the outs and how would I ever be able to afford this. Your job, it, it's just, it, it, God just wants a yes or a no for you. Maybe for some you're going to even be in the process of that, and I get that, but just be aware that that's what, that's what God is going to be asking and, and talking to you about and going to be important for you to try to recognize. So I want to talk about maybe um, my call. And I've, I've, I've told the story before, but it's so personal to me, and I'm going to use it as the lead-in. Uh, this happened almost, man, uh, embarrassingly enough to say almost 40 years ago, but I can remember it like it happened last night. And I was 15 years old. Uh, I was not, as a child, raised with the knowledge or the idea to be a pastor. We didn't have pastors in our family. I had nothing to look at like that where uh, there was a pathway for me. Uh, at 15, I, I was probably like any 15-year-old, not a whole lot of self-awareness, more just living for the moment and living for the time and, and just having uh, a good life. We lived in the South um, here, here's, here's what I remember about the moment in time when God called me. It was the middle of the night, about two in the morning. Um, it was a huge thunderstorm that had woken me up. Uh, we get big thunderstorms in Colorado, but nothing like they get in the South, man. When it rains there, it can rain for days at a time, and it's incredible. And we were having one of these uh, southern drenching storms, and the lightning was just popping. Boom, 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 boom. Like, like It just seemed like seconds between the flashes and the, and, the, and the thunder. And it woke me up, and I remember lying awake in the middle of the night and having this thought, and it is as clear to me in, in 2017 as it was in the 70s. That's the long time. I remember thinking to myself, what will I do with my life? And, and as I pondered that, and as I, I thought about that, this, it just was in my heart to ask God that question. What should I do with my life? And I don't think I was in a position where I had like, a, like a, a really ongoing, tight relationship with God. But here's what I love about God, man. At any point that we talk to him, I think he's listening to us. And I think he's always ready to engage with us. And it was the beginning, it was the beginning of a lifelong love affair with God that began with me asking the question, what do you want me to do? And the only way I knew how to hear that, I, I got up out of bed and I found a Bible, our family Bible. And little in the middle of the night, I played Bible roulette. I flipped through the Bible not knowing where to go, but asking, got the question, what do you want me to do with my life? And I opened the Bible to Luke chapter uh, 4. And Luke chapter 4, if you know the scripture, it's the first time Jesus gets up and does any public ministry. And this is what Jesus um, says in the synagogue the first time he speaks publicly in church. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the good news, to set at liberty the captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to open up deaf ears, to open up blind eyes, and to proclaim 
the year of God's favor, the year of jubilee, which is how we got our name, by the way, but to proclaim who God is. And here's what makes the Bible different than every other book in the world and why it's not just simply ink and paper and ancient writings. The Bible is an alive, living document. The Holy Spirit breathes in that. And there's times you can read your Bible and maybe you've had the experience where when you're reading it, it's like God's hand comes out and grabs your face and draws it to the page and says to you, this is for you, I'm talking to you and you know it. That's what happened. I read that scripture. Uh, As unlikely as it sounds, even when I say it, the likelihood of finding that scripture and asking that question, what do you want me to do? And being in that moment, regardless of, of the odds of it, That's what our God does. And he brought me to that place where he spoke to me when I read those words, that's you. I have called you to preach good news, to set at liberty the captive, to preach the message of God's year of favor to people. Gosh, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I had no idea I'd be standing here doing this all these years later. But at that time, I heard God call me. And I know that I closed the Bible and I know what I said to God. I said, yes. I didn't know how. I didn't know what. I had no no context to think, what do I do now? But I said yes to God in that moment. And God heard the sincerity of of a young boy's heart, man. God did everything in my life because I said yes to him, and I owe him just the credit and the glory for that. Our series has been called Sacred Work because whatever we do, We're supposed to do it unto the Lord. We've used Colossians chapter three, which just simply reads uh, this way right here. It's our foundational scripture. Whatever work you do, uh, it just makes it really wide, doesn't it? Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. And then this part's the most important. Do it for the Lord and not for men. And the meaning simply there is see God as your boss. See whatever you do, if you do it unto the Lord, it's sacred and it's holy to him. And even if it seems menial, uh, if it seems meaningless, if it seems mindless, that is not the issue, man. God wants you to see yourself doing it for him. Some of that's just a test our heart to his. Will I do it as unto the Lord? And God calls it blessed when you do that. So whatever we do, is sacred when we do it for him. But again, I'm talking today, this weekend, about people called to a vocational ministry. So I'm gonna give you four people that God calls. It's kind of wide. I usually start the first message wide and then go narrow. I think we've done that in this series and that this message is spoken to a, maybe a narrower group of people, but it might make sense that I go really wide when I speak to those people. So here's the four people that I think God calls. And the first one just simply is this. God calls the young Now, if you sit in this room and sit at one of our campuses, or maybe you're in your car when you listen to this and you think, well, I'm not young, so God can't be calling me. I'm not done, so give me a second. But let me just say that I think God calls the young. Um, I talked about this recently. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, when God called him, he was just a boy. And you'll find that over and over in Scripture. And if you ask me, Pastor, why do you think God calls the young is it because um, they're, at a, they're at a point where they don't know anything else? Here, here's what I think. I, I think that God likes innocence. And I think that when, when a person is young, there's an innocence that's there that God wants to shape that before it's corrupted with so many other things. So one of, I think, God's primary calls is to young people. And so maybe, Mom and Dad, I would ask you this question. If God were to call your Youngster, your child, your son, your daughter, to ministry today, how do you feel about that? Can you say yes too? 
Gosh, I think if my mother had fought with me and said, you, you, you can't be a pastor. I can't see you doing that. I see, you'll not make any money. There's no future in that. You don't know. How, if my mother, she could have derailed that. But you know what my mom had the wisdom to do? My mom had the wisdom to say to me, you'll be a great pastor. I owe my mom. I think God calls the young. First chapter, uh, First Samuel chapter three. I'm gonna show you two scriptures. It tells the story of when God called Samuel. He called him three times. He spoke his name, Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, uh, the first two times that Samuel heard it, he thought it was the priest Eli that was calling his name. Samuel, as a little boy, was there serving Eli in the temple. The Bible says he slept right by the altar of the Lord. And, and when God called his name in the middle of the night, woke him up, he thought it was Eli. So the first two times God called him, he got up and ran into Eli's room and asked him, what do you want? And Eli, for two times, said, hey, I'm not, go back to bed, you're bugging me. On the third time, Eli, the older man, recognizes the Lord is trying to call Samuel. So he tells Samuel, the next time you hear his voice, just say to him, here I am. Here I am. Remember, all God wants from you is just, here I am. It's not your job to figure it out. It's just your job to tell God it's okay. It's okay. And so I'll just show you the beginning and the end of the story. So uh, it just says simply, meanwhile, the boy, look at the words. So he's not an adult. He's not even a teenager this is a boy. This, this kid is probably six, seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere in that time frame. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, the high priest. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. So this makes this scenario really unusual. This doesn't happen all the time. When God calls us, it's not, it's not just an ordinary event. It's an unusual event when we hear the Lord speak to our heart. This is what I have for you. And so the story proceeds. God calls him three times. Twice he thinks it's Eli. The third time Eli says it's the Lord. So next time, say to the Lord, here I am. And so we find that story wrapping up this way. And the Lord came for the third time, called as before Samuel, Samuel, and this time the boy, the young man, the kid Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. If you know the end of the story, man, God just tells him, here's the plan for your life. I am going to use you as my priest. I'm going to use what I do through you to change Israel. He gets this as a young boy. And so many times we think God only calls those who graduate from seminary, who have a PhD behind their name, who have spent years and years in ministry. The truth of the matter is God likes to call the unqualified because he's the one that wants to qualify you. He's looking for people to just say yes to him. I think innocence is something that the Lord treasures and he values. And Maybe today as you hear this message, man, something inside of you, maybe even as a parent, you'll hear God speak to you about your kid. Samuel's mother, Hannah, had the Lord speak to her first. He belongs to me. So mom and dad, I would just ask you, are you okay with that? Chris and I had to answer that question. When our oldest Amy, at 11 years old, on a mission trip that she went on, came home and told us that the Lord had called her to the mission field at 11. I remember Chris and I looked at each other thinking, absolutely not. And we were pastors, absolutely not. Thank God we didn't say that out loud. Here's what we said to each other. If this is the Lord, then she'll feel this way in five years. And if it's not the Lord, then this thing will die a childhood death. Not in an ugly way, a dream that's, you know, of childhood is not meant to be. But our job's just to sit back right now and um, let's encourage and watch over her. But we won't... Uh, we won't tell her to go be a missionary, but we won't say she shouldn't be a missionary. We'll just encourage her to keep listening to the Lord. 
Gosh, as time went by, man, her story, just real quick, she graduated from high school early. She went to work at Nordstrom as the youngest employee Nordstrom had ever had. She ends up becoming employee of the year at Nordstrom, makes more money than her father is making because she was so good at what she did. Saved up her money and paid for four years of an education at Youth with a Mission and came home with a husband, basically, after it's done. And those are your campus pastors now at Lone Tree, Marcus and Amy. But Chris and I had to deal with that same thing. And at some level, the Lord spoke to her at 11 years old and told her what he had for her life. We could have never mapped those things out. But what we did as believing parents was to pray over her. And then when we saw this is true and this is God, man, we did everything we could to enable her. And I guess I would throw it to you today. If your son or daughter says that to you, what do you say? You can derail it or you can encourage. And what would you say? Let me give you the second person uh, that I think God calls. God calls, listen to this, the occupied. There's an old saying, if you want get to, to get something done, find something, somebody busy that's to, to do it because that means that they know how to get stuff done. I think so many times in life, we are so occupied, we think to ourselves, I could never go and do that. I don't have time to go do that. I'm locked and loaded. I've got kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got a pastor. I'm just, I am too occupied. <laughs> I think sometimes um, God just, he, God has a sense of humor. And sometimes he calls the very busy, the very occupied to do great things for him. In Matthew chapter four, look at this real quick, because this, I, I think this kind of, um, it spells it out. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, so the apostle Peter, and Andrew, his brother, throwing a net into the water because they fished for a living. Cool job, right? And Jesus calls out to them while they're working, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. Look, at that. there's no hesitation they don't, they don't even resign. They don't even see if it's okay. Some, Jesus must be so incredibly connecting. There must be something about him that is so beyond belief that when he speaks to us, follow me. We leave what we're doing. We're so occupied. We leave it to follow him. They look, this is not a financial decision. He promises them nothing. Except I'll teach you how to fish for men. This is not a financial decision that they made. They're not doing something that they feel like we're going to get better gain. They're engaged with Jesus. So they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he just repeats the action. He saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee. So they're with their dad doing their work. This is the family business. They're repairing their nets so they can fish again. And Jesus calls out to them, come and follow me. And look at the wording. They immediately followed him leaving the boat and their father behind. And this is what I'm saying. Man, can you imagine? What did their dad say? Get back here? Where do you think you're going? Who's going to help me fish? What do you think he said? This is a real story. Something about Jesus must be so incredibly engaging that people who are occupied when they hear him call will leave in a moment's notice to go do what he said. Now, maybe you hear that and you think, oh, that's impossible. That couldn't happen today, really. Let me talk to you about my friends, Jonathan and Rebecca Murley. Rebecca is a nurse, uh, I'm sorry, a school teacher by uh, education, uh, specifically uh, linguistics um, in Spanish. And Jonathan is a nurse who went on to work for a pharmaceutical company and they both did very well for themselves. And yet in the middle of their lives, God called them to be pastors 
and to serve our church and missionaries. So in the middle of what they're doing, they hear Jesus say to them, come and follow me. Man, they left behind vocationally what they were educated to do and came to serve at this church. And if you've been on any mission trip, if you're a missionary listening to this, or you have any type of outreach function, you know you've dealt with both Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca. And you know what a tremendous difference they made in our church. But they were people who were occupied. You talk about busy people. My goodness. And right in the middle of it, man, they changed what they were doing. Larry and Nancy Paul, two of our counselors. Many of you in our church, man, have experienced the benefit of the wisdom of Larry and Nancy. Nancy was a nurse. Larry owned a construction company. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you see this experience, they attended Jubilee were in a service, they heard God speak to them, follow me vocationally. And Larry walked away from a construction business that he had built his whole life, and Nancy walked away from a nursing position where she was taken care of very well to come to this church to serve people vocationally in ministry. God, how much better is our church because those two people have done what they've done for us? Bob and Gabe Oldfield, <laughs> at our Highlands Ranch campus. Um, Bob knows cars, and Gabe was involved in sales, and both of them did exceptionally well in their careers. But in a moment's time, sitting in a church, they both heard God call them, and they were so engaged with Jesus that in the middle of being occupied with something else, the way that they the way that they paid their bills, fed their family, took care of their future. They walked away from those things to come and serve God. So maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor, you, you must pay well, and that's why those people do those things. Ask them. That's probably the best way to find out. Ask them. Because they didn't do it because it was better for them financially. That's for sure. They did it because they heard Jesus speak to them. And they're not the only ones. I put in my notes, TBD, to be decided, who else today would hear this and hear God call them? Gosh, on our staff alone, our people, what I think I'm most proud of that we have done, I think it's a New Testament model, instead of hiring uh, uh, all-stars from other teams, we've taken what God has given us here and raised up what God calls here. And our team is made up of people that chose this church. We didn't choose them, they chose us. And then together we helped them into their call. In my mind right now, it races through with the faces and the names in our newest campus to see uh, our, our worship pastor, Ryan, over there. Man, that guy, <laughs> what, he, what he went through to get to that place. People that, um, that, served, um, that, that, that served other places. Guy that watches our building here, my friend John, retires and then... <laughs> He finally gets unoccupied and God calls him to be occupied with the work of the kingdom again. And he says yes. It just blows my mind when I think about that. God calls the occupied. Let me give you the third one. God calls, listen to this, the professional. I think a lot of times we think people that are called to ministry are not professional people. They're uneducated people. They're people that couldn't have done something else. Man, what a lie that is. God calls the professional. Let me show you two scriptures uh, that just bear this out. Um, this is from Colossians chapter four. The person Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So the third gospel writer is a man named Luke. And Luke was not always a minister. Luke was a doctor. 
And we find the proof of that in this scripture in Colossians 4.14. Paul writes, Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. The Luke he's referring to is the Luke that you read, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And Luke was a doctor before he did anything else. And some of you sitting in our church are doctors and you're educated year after year after year after year after year and you've given your whole life to this thing and it's awesome and I'm in awe. But what if God called the professional today to do something completely different? Could you say yes? He calls the professional. He calls the ones who are trained and educated to do something for him that's just unbelievable. Uh, Acts 22, the apostle Paul in particular. Paul was a very educated person. Uh, the only time that he ever really talked about those things is when he was challenged on what gives you the right. And so from time to time, Paul would just refer back to his pedigree. Here, here's Paul's pedigree. Uh, Paul speaking to a crowd that challenges him. I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel, who is still referred to in Judaism as the greatest teacher and rabbi. I was his student. I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. So here's what Paul is saying. Man, I am an educated person. I was brought up. I went to school. I'm a lawyer, is what he's saying in Jewish law and custom. That's the level of this man's education. So much so that he had risen to the top echelon in his particular practice when God knocked him off a horse. Maybe it was his high horse and just called him. But God calls the professional. Let me give you the last one. God calls, listen to this one. God calls the hurting. Maybe you think in your mind, like, that's the last person that God would call. Or that's the last season of life where God would call somebody. Uh, the truth of the matter is, sometimes when we're hurting the most is when we're the most open to hearing God's voice, man. Sometimes when we just finally get all the stuff knocked out of the way and it just simplifies, we can see this versus that. Sometimes the hurting can see things more clearly than the well. And God can speak in the middle of hurt and call people who are hurting. In this particular situation, um, we just have the scripture. It's Jesus talking. And, and I, it's, I, you read this out of context, you're wondering why it's even in there. But in the context of the fact that God could call the hurting, this, this seems to be Jesus like um, being unmerciful. But if you really see what it is, he's just he's speaking to a person that's hurting. So let me, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And so two people approach him. One of the teachers of the religious law, just like what Paul was, said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replies, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But I, the son of man, have no place even to lay my head. And what he's saying to the guy is, hey, before you decide to follow me, you better realize I'm not offering a retirement package in this world. And so if you're looking for better accommodations, maybe you want to think twice before you decide to follow me. And then look at this, another of his disciples. So this guy's already following him, but man, all of a sudden he gets engaged with Jesus in a way as never before. Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And just real quickly, for any of you who have lost a parent or a spouse or a child or a friend, 
you know the agony and you know the deep hurt on the inside of you. Watching my mom, she just lost her, uh, her brother-in-law. Just her hurt that she feels. I can't imagine this, this son saying to Jesus, a disciple, uh, I'm, I'm gonna follow you, I wanna give my all, but first let me, let me run back home and do my duty. Let me bury my father. And, and then Jesus says this to him, look at this. Jesus tells him, uh, uh, no, follow me right now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. That almost, if you don't get what he's saying, that almost seems like um, Jesus is unmerciful. There's no other way to say that. I mean, I, I need to run home and bury my father and then I'll come back and, and I'll fulfill my, my call. And I think this is what Jesus is actually expressing to him. Listen, man, if you're gonna follow me, it comes before everything else. I don't think Jesus is against this guy doing his duty or burying his father. I think this guy is speaking right to the guy's heart and telling him, Listen, I'm calling you, and it's got to be first in your life. Some of you, maybe, maybe one of the saddest experiences I've ever had as a pastor is people that I've known who have been called, who somehow got their priorities mixed up and decided to do something else. You know, through the years, I've been really blessed to have people who felt called work with me in ministry and help them get into ministry. I don't even know how many dozens and dozens of people are in ministry now because I had the opportunity to work with them. I can remember a couple that graduated from a Bible college, the one that um, I, was, I was at shortly after I got into ministry and I worked with him for a little while, and he got this really awesome job offer from a delivery company. It was in a management position, and he was called to ministry. That's what his degree was. And this is what he told me. He said, I'm only gonna go do this for a few years because I need to make a little money right, right now, and then I'll come back and I'll fulfill my obligation. And I think in a way that's exactly what the story was. To the day, the guy never did come back to ministry. Once he began down the road of I've got to make money, that became the thing that was his priority. And even though he loved God, that was his priority. And I think what Jesus is telling this guy is, look, if you're gonna follow me, I'm the priority. And so maybe you're here today like, I'm the least likely person that God could call. Maybe that makes you the most likely then. So let me just end it this way. I've watched people use a tragedy to beat the devil over and over and over in life. Instead of giving in and losing to the grief, they use the hurting thing. God actually used the hurt to call them. We had a couple that lost a daughter on a mission trip. You know, what a devastating event that was. Without going into all the details of it, this couple could have sunk to the bottom of the dregs with grief. What they decided to do was to take that event and to create a ministry called Aslan's Army. Their daughter's name was Mallory Aslan Smith. So they took her middle name, created a ministry. She lost her life on a mission trip, on the mission field. And so their ministry, Aslan's Army, they took all of the money that they got from the death and they put it into this ministry and what the ministry did was raise up more missionaries and here's what they told the devil in effect you took one we're going to replace her with 10,000 God can call the hurting to do incredible things for him maybe the hurt is what makes you the most likely to do something great for God so here's two responses to everything that I've said the first response is just simply you hear this message today you can even hear the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, but your response will be, I can't. I can't do that, John. 
I can't go there. I can't think about that. I can't give that. I can't consider that. I can't. Mark chapter 10. Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem and a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus just, he's not trying to confuse the guy, he's just trying to speak to the issue. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. So he's trying to get the guy to recognize, do you really see me as God? Do you understand? You're asking God a question. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and your mother. The guy feels pretty good for a second teacher. The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was a kid, a boy. Looking at the man, look at the words, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So this is not said from a, <laughs> from a harmful place, it's said from a place of love. Jesus felt love for this guy. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then this, come and follow me. Come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. In other words, Jesus was calling to the guy, you came to me? You want the life that I offer? Okay, here's the price, follow me. And the guy said, I can't. I can't do it. And he went away sad. And some of you, as you hear this message, unfortunately will walk away sad because you're going to say, I can't. And maybe that's the biggest shame in it because God's not asking you to figure out how. He's just asking you to follow him. So maybe the second response then, the one that I would want you and encourage you to make would just be simply, yes, Lord. He's not asking you to figure out what to do tomorrow. He's just asking you, if he calls you to follow him vocationally, would you say, yes, Lord? I'll just show you one scripture of many scriptures where the Bible records people who said yes to the Lord. Uh, This talks about a guy who had a vision, who has a chance to do ministry. There was a believer in Damascus, that's Syria, named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. And here's Ananias' reply, Yes, Lord. And here's what he says. I've got a guy that's been killing people just like you, but I've just spoken to him, and he needs you to go pray for him. And Ananias could have said, God, if I go, he'll kill me. But he had already made the right response. Yes, Lord. God's not asking you to figure out the how. He's asking for the response of a yes. And the takeaway from the whole thing just simply is this. The how is always our question. I ask how all the time. God, how am I going to do that? God, how am I going to change this? God, how am I going to make this happen? The how will get you stuck. It's an important question, but it'll get you stuck. It's a question in the wrong priority. The first priority is to say to God, yes. So if he talks to you today, I don't care if you're sitting at Lone Tree, or Highlands Ranch, Parker, Castle Rock, Lakewood, online, I don't care how you hear this message. If you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you right now, maybe he even reconfirms in you something that he spoke to you years ago. What's your answer? Will you just hang your head and walk away like, I can't? Or will you just simply say to him, I don't know how, but yes. And then let God do what he does really well. Man, I guess that brings me to the end of everything that I need to say, but I feel like we need to pray, and I want to put us in a position to respond to God. So God calls the young 
And he calls the occupied, calls the professional, he calls the hurting, he calls people all the time, every day. And if you hear him right now, what will you say to him? So Father, I want to take a moment and without hyping this up, without blowing this up, I just want to, in the moment, people that hear your voice right now, take a moment to have them respond to you. Maybe you're young. Maybe you hear this message uh, as a child, as a teenager, um, as a young millennial. Maybe you hear this message and your life is not set yet. And you hear it and you hear God talking to you. And of course, your first question will be, how? It's the cart before the horse. Here's the real question. Will you say yes? If that's you, and you want to say yes to God's call on your life today, I just want you to raise your hand right now. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you do anything or sign a contract. It's nothing like that's between you and the Lord, but it's a surrender point for you and God. And if that's you right now, say yes to the Lord. You're the young one. Okay, the next one just simply, maybe I'll lump these together. The occupied and the professional. Maybe you're in the middle of a family. Maybe you're in the middle of a business. Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce. Maybe you're in the middle of a lot of different stuff and you're just like, how? The how's not the question. The question is telling God yes. And if you feel him call you, what will you say to him right now? I don't know how quickly he can do it. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm facilitating something for him right now. If that's you, and you're just like, Pastor, that speaks to me, and I feel God call me in the middle of being a professional or very occupied. I don't know how, but I feel God call me, and I'm willing to say yes. Just respond to that right now. Raise your hand. Again, there's no contract to sign. Nobody's looking. But just yes, God. I'll say yes. And allow God the opportunity. And the last one, maybe the hurting. Maybe just in the middle of a lot of hurt right now. It's even difficult to hear God's voice. But maybe all of a sudden, man, like the clouds part and the light shines. Oh, And you can hear God speak to you right now. That even in the middle of the hurt, you hear a call. Is that you? And if it is, would you just say yes? Without asking the how, would you just surrender to the yes? Lord, you see every person and every person's heart and you see the decision that we make inside of us. God, for those who say yes to you, I ask that you would aid them right now with the Holy Spirit, with ministering angels right now, reinforcements that would help to draw out of them those calls and those things that you're doing. For those who right now feel sad because they can't say yes, God, be merciful. Pour out grace and help them. For the ones who right now are just simply saying, I can't, I just can't do it right now. You know what? There's no condemnation here. You won't be beat up for that. We love you and bless you and God's heart for you will never change. But I ask that the Lord would minister to you and help you shape your circumstance and your heart so that he could get you to a place where you're able to say yes. But all these things all together, man, I just bless and I thank the Lord for speaking to us today and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I'm gonna do. Each of your campus pastors will come and dismiss you. Thanks for listening to me today.